Our guest today says, fix your brain and the rest will follow. He gives us and our patients eight strategies to increase longevity. Welcome to the ReachMD Book Club. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt from Foothill Psychiatry in Boise, your host, and with me today is Dr. Gary Small. Dr. Small is Professor of Psychiatry and Biobehavioral Sciences, the Parlo Solomon Professor on Aging at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA, and he's Director of the UCLA Center on Aging, as well as a leading expert on memory and aging. He's authored over 500 scientific works. Welcome to ReachMD, Dr. Small. Thank you, Leslie. I'm delighted to be here. Now, your most recent book is called The Longevity Bible, The Eight Essential Strategies for Keeping Your Mind Sharp and Your Body Young. As director of the UCLA Center on Aging, you're in a unique position to advise us on longevity. So what's the secret? Well, the secret is that if you take care of your brain, as you say, the rest will follow. And what led to the Longevity Bible was a realization when we started helping people fix their brains, when we helped them with memory exercises, with mental fitness, we found out that, my God, they're also feeling better physically, and the scientific evidence tells us that they'll probably live longer. Mm. So what is the research to back it up? There are a number of studies, for example, showing that something as simple as physical conditioning, aerobic conditioning or cardiovascular exercise, can add several years to your life expectancy. And you do not have to become a triathlete. It can be as little as 20 minutes to a half hour each day that can have that kind of benefit. We also know that it affects our risk for Alzheimer's disease. One study found that walking a total of, say, 90 minutes a week lowered the risk for Alzheimer's disease. Is it possible to overdo it? That is, is too much exercise maybe going to hurt your longevity? Well, you know, I think that, sure, if you overdo it to the extent that you become dehydrated and affect your physical health, that's not a good thing. And it's important if anybody has any kind of chronic health condition, of course, they check with their physician, and it's best to build up gradually if you have those kinds of conditions. So I always think it's it's best to do these things in moderation and build gradually over time. But it's interesting, if you look at that as a basic physical fitness model, we find the same kind of principles apply to brain fitness. When we put people on mental exercise with brain teasers and memory exercises, we find that on their brain scans, they are more efficient. That is, you're using less brain power to perform better. Now, one of your strategies in the book is to eat according to the longevity diet. And you talk about dietary cross-training, which I love. Can, can you explain this to our audience, please? Well, what we try to do is make it relatively simple and make it fun. You know, your diet, it's great if it's nutritious, but if it's not delicious, you're going to stop eating it. So we talk about mixing different food groups, some of the healthy brain foods like antioxidant fruits and vegetables, some of the healthy fats, the omega-3 fats, uh, fish and olive oil, and trying to, every once in a while, mix in what we call a cheat eat. And that's something that's probably not good for you, but if you eat it once in a while in moderation, you're more likely to be satisfied and less likely to binge and go off your diet. That's, I guess, why I like the diet is that it seemed pretty forgiving. And, you know, if you look at the scientific evidence, that's what you find. There's, I don't see any studies out there that tell us that you had to absolutely keep to this strict healthy food. And we know in real life people do tend to cheat a little bit. So I want to relieve the guilt from people when they go on these diets. 
Now, which out of the eight strategies that you suggest do you think is the most difficult for people to implement? When we got started with our studies, we found that actually diet was difficult. They tended to not want to change their diets because it meant going out and shopping and setting things up differently. But when they actually went about it and did it, they found tremendous impact right away. They started feeling more energy. They were sleeping better, especially when they combined that with physical exercise. So I think in general, diet is hardest for people, but we find that if we can get them started and they start seeing results, which we found they do in, in our studies, that they're willing to go for the long haul. If you go on a diet or anybody goes on a diet, if they started out after a day and they get on the scale and they see they've lost a pound, they're more motivated to continue. And we have the same approach with our mental exercises. We try to teach people simple memory techniques so they can see results right away and be motivated to work on it over time. That was my other question I had. I mean, the strategies that you have in the book make sense. They certainly are healthy strategies for us all. And we all, you know, as physicians, we know diet and exercise are important. The hard part is always getting people to actually do it. Any advice on how to get our patients to follow through with this? I think it's uh, important to start out with a few things and build. You know, I've got eight strategies, and people might say, well, Doc, that's a lot to remember, and you haven't even fixed my memory yet. So what I'll tell them is, here's start out with this tip. I want you to take a 10-minute walk after dinner with your husband. And what will that do? Well, that will help them in several different areas. They'll get some physical conditioning. That'll help their heart. They may live a bit longer. It'll help their brain circulation. It may help their memory. It may help them with their medication. They may lose weight, and uh, it may help with their blood pressure, so they have uh, fewer medicines to take. It will help with reducing stress. They'll be able to talk about their day. They'll feel more socially connected. So there's just simple approaches that can have a huge impact in healthy longevity. If you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Gary Small. We are discussing his latest book, The Longevity Bible, Eight Essential Strategies for Keeping Your Mind Sharp and Your Body Young. Dr. Small, uh, we've talked about diet, exercise briefly. What are the other strategies? Another one is having a positive outlook. We know that optimists live longer than pessimists, and it is possible to learn optimism. And in the Longevity Bible, I provide some exercises to help people see the cup half full instead of half empty. Another one I I mentioned, and that's staying socially connected. Isolated people have uh, less of a survival advantage. And we help people learn better empathy skills, which is really the social glue that keeps us connected. Uh, Another strategy has to do with health care and how to deal with your medications. And, And something as simple as taking your blood pressure medicines, if you have high blood pressure, can extend your life by years. We also talk about supplements and uh, what are some of the challenges of supplements today. And uh, we talk about memory exercises and a variety of other approaches. Talking about supplements, I just read a piece on uh, Ray Kurzweil, who wrote uh, The Singularity is Near, and apparently he is kind of on a personal mission to live forever. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Which... 
Yeah, I thought it was an interesting goal and uh, said that he takes upwards of 200 different supplements a day that he's worked out with, with some longevity physician in Denver. And he's got so many pills, he actually had to hire somebody to be what he calls a pill wrangler to help him keep them straight. What do you think about that kind of approach? Well, I'm a, I'm a bit more conservative <laughs> when it comes to supplements. And one of the challenges with supplements is that we don't have a lot of double-blind, placebo-controlled studies or the scientific evidence that is, that is needed to get a, an actual drug approved by the FDA. So what happens is there are these so-called structure function claims that a supplement company will make based on you know a few studies, but it hasn't really been tested against the sugar pill to show that there really is that effect. Another problem you have is quality control. You're not quite sure if you're really getting the high-octane supplement or not. So we're trying to de- develop better supplements at UCLA and do these uh, more controlled studies so we can convince skeptics like myself <laughs> that they're actually doing what they're supposed to do. Okay. Well, here's a tough question. What supplements do you take? I take uh, an omega-3 uh, fish oil capsule, and I take a multivitamin. That's it? That's it. Wow, you're I'm, easy. <laughs> I'm waiting for the scientific evidence on the others. <laughs> Any others that you think look promising? You know, one that's very interesting is curcumin. Uh, which is from turmeric, and that's in curry spice. 